time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. So glad that you're able to join with us. It is February 7th, 2022. We've got the Olympics going on. Enjoying that. Feel so badly for the American skier, broker legacy. was smear cross. But anyway, fun to be watching the Olympics. So much going on in the world. So much going on with interest rates. Can't wait to get into that with Les, Matt, and Jack. All the stuff happening with mortgage rates. My gosh. We're going to dedicate one of the hot topic segments we got coming up here in a couple of weeks on interest rates. Does everyone need to revise their predictions? Well, we're going to be looking at that. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. But anyway, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. So glad to have you with us. And it's sunny here and we're warming up in Central Texas. It's been down in the 20s at night. That's cold, but something that is hot in the Hot topic segment, we've got Rich Zerbinski. President Chief Operating Officer at TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative. We're talking about some of the things going on there. We've got the Winter Conference coming up in Fountain Blue, Florida, but be sure to stay tuned for the Hot Topic segment with Rich and hearing all that's going on within TMC. I want to say a thank you to our partners, IndustrySyndicate.com. We're also partnered with DW Consulting. How did you go to our sponsorship page? We have Debbie on a sponsorship program, but she's partnering with me in the consulting side as well. So impressed with what she does, but also want to say thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Great industry leader, how they lead our industry, what they're doing with a Mortgage Action Alliance application. But do check out the MBA's website. The Secondary Marketing Conference is another one of the conferences coming up in New York. Also, an Astra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Check out their decision software product that does great things. So Mortgage Bot, check that out. We got Chris Zingo is going to be coming on. He is the president of the Americas for all of Finastra. We're going to have him coming up here three, four weeks out for a guest appearance on the podcast. Again, we have Karen Jenkins talking about how they are designing their products moving forward. It has to do with programming, a lot of great insights in the technology side, what's going on there. Also, we have sponsors, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Again, Mortgage Collaborative is featured on the podcast today. Also, Total Expert, one of our newest sponsors. So excited to be working with Total Expert and all that they have to offer. We're talking more about them. We just got their agreement in on Friday, so they're official. Total expert. Also, Knowledge Coop does a great job of sharing knowledge within your organization through a learning management system, LMS. Check out knowledgecoop.com, as well as Mobility MMI, their mortgage market intelligence, along with Modix's technology. These two platforms do a great job and help you recruit. I was just talking to Bobby Nicely over at Alcova Mortgage. Give Bobby a shout out along with the Billy and Rob, his partners in the business at Alcova. But one of the things we talked about is how you can use this tool very effectively if you're competing against another loan officer. You want to get some intelligence on them? That's another way of using Mobility MMI as well as Modex to find out who is your competition. How much experience do they have versus what you have? 
you can point out unique differences. I encourage you to check out these two products. And some have one or the other. I think you should have both of them because they're a great complement to each other. Also, a big thank you to SnapDocs for what they do. They have tools that help you support and implement the e-mortgage technology effectively. And they do that through the SnapDocs e-mortgage quick start program. Check them out. we got the information on our website. As well as Success Kit, Julian Lumpkin does a great job of helping you tell your story. Check out successkit.io. Also go to our website. And then Lenders Toolkit, another one of our new sponsors, does a great job. They're going to be doing a mini user group at the LMAD Summer Conference. And so we'll be getting together on their website, Lender Toolkit, to see how we can connect there. I'll be there with the podcast microphone and we'll be talking to them. Also, Penny Mac. They are a new sponsor. Thrilled to have them here with us. You have to check out the interview that we did with Kim Nichols on November 1st. You look at what Kimberly is talking about, what they're doing at PennyMac to enter into the broker space, into the third-party space. you got to see their programs. Really innovative, and they're doing some great things. So check out PennyMac. Also, again, DW Consulting is our newest sponsor, but it does a great job of helping you with your LinkedIn profile so it stands out from the competition. Also, finally, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Raphorst with the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Recently, MBA, the Housing Policy Council, and the American Bankers Association submitted a letter to FHA on their proposed changes to the Service and Defects Taxonomy section of FHA's single-family housing policy handbook. The letter expresses conceptual support for FHA's development of the servicing defects taxonomy, but it also emphasizes that the current proposal lacks sufficient specificity to provide the increased clarity and certainty that servicers need to effectively manage FHA servicing risks. The letter makes specific recommendations regarding sources and causes of defects and the need for clear defect severity tiers and appropriate remedies, including for fraud and misrepresentation. And MBA is holding its Servicing Solutions Conference and Expo February 22nd through the 25th in Orlando, Florida. To register, please go to mba.org slash conferences. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you putting that in to us each and every week. And check out all of the upcoming conferences there at the MBA website. So if you go to the website, go to conferences and the conventions, you'll see their schedule. Great job what they do. Also check out the Mortgage Action Alliance app. If you don't have that, go to the Apple Store and get all signed up. Let's get over to Les Parker with a macro view of the markets. Les? Send the bull. Pain and misery in the house of the rising fun. PM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Recent jobs data show wages rising and workers returning to work. As a result, the 10-year yield effective objective remains 2.08%. With oil rising on the back of the buck, rates remain on the rise. But the flattening curve and major central banks reducing liquidity slows growth prospects. Consequently, the bear market is subject to the Fed spilling the punch bowl. The only time Fed satisfied is when bonds aren't drunk. 
these fees are my own. Find out when the party's over at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, you need to get signed up with Les Parker's uh, newsletter. I, I was reading it this morning and looking at what the markets are and trying to get some insights into it. There's some great market intelligence in that piece, and I encourage you to sign up for it. You can sign up for the paid version and get it for free by using the word power. Check it out at tmspotlight.com. Matt Graham's here to give us a live update on the markets. And Matt, you haven't been popular. Everyone's throwing things at their screens, so give us a report. Good to have you here. Yeah, David, how's it going? You said people needed to revise their rate forecasts. I don't make forecasts, but I think that we have been talking quite a bit about the rising rate environment. I think that still we, and we, by we, I mean collective we, were hoping that the most recent run-up in rates had uh, hit some sort of temporary ceiling at the very least, but clearly it did not last week. And uh, because of that, we need to talk about quadrupeds, a.k.a. four-legged animals in this case an elephant, and uh, the next one will be revealed shortly. So the elephant in the room, David, is the jobs report on Friday. That is the day where yields broke multi-year highs and mortgage rates moved up dang near 4%, depending on the lender. Of course, that's going to vary based on the scenario, but close enough at this point, especially for those second homes, which pricing hits have been implemented. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Jobs report, hugely stronger than expected. The revisions to the past two months hugely bigger than expected. If you look at these things at face value, the way we normally look at jobs reports, it was a staggering mismatch between expectations and reality. But there was an explanation for that that didn't really get a ton of airtime, and it had to do with the annual benchmark revisions. This is just the Labor Department's way of dialing in the seasonal adjustments and changing things up so that things line up better for the upcoming year. Now, I don't even know where to begin personally. I'm not smart enough. I'm not an economist enough to comment on how COVID may have thrown those revisions out of whack. But what we do know is that the jobs totals, the payroll counts, got revised significantly lower for the middle of 2021. And those jobs were sort of shuffled off to the end of 2021 and now the beginning of 2022. The net effect wasn't huge in terms of the total swing in jobs, but it made it look very huge for the past few months and sort of added to the shock factor that markets were seeing. But I think that it was covered enough that people started to look at other aspects of the jobs report. Unemployment rate, we got a lot of questions on this one because the unemployment rate ticked up by a tenth of a percent, but it was still good news considering the labor force participation rate ticked up three tenths of a percent. So those are the two that are always sort of presented in tandem. Other subcomponents of unemployment were also painting a rosier picture for the labor market. And last but not least, wages up significantly. And this is what got probably most of the airtime beyond the headline payroll count. And The narrative here is that higher wages are going to stoke the fires of inflation further, and the Fed will have to get even more aggressive than it already has been when it comes to pulling back policy, tightening, normalizing the balance sheet, and all the rest of it. And indeed, when we looked at Fed funds futures in the immediate wake of the jobs data, they too voiced a bit of uh, confirmation for this. And it was, I think, surprising. I know to me, to some extent, at the very least, but to much of the market because we really weren't expecting to see 
such a big move after the jobs report. And so if we're going to say that it was the jobs report, that elephant in the room that moved markets, we have to narrow it down to two complicating factors. Number one would be this consolidation pattern we've been talking about, these converging lines, a pennant formation, a triangle, call it what you will. We have a descending line and an ascending line resting along the high yields and low yields of the past several weeks. They were soon to converge and yields had sort of been bumping their heads against the ceiling. All they needed was a little push. They got a little push from the jobs report, and then we could say snowball momentum took over. Uh, Stop-loss positions getting taken out, forcing more sales, pushing yields higher, forcing the next potential seller in line to hit their stop-loss levels, and so on and so on. Classic snowball sell-off, it is one explanation that isn't terrible. The other is more of a general take, which is the market was infinitely prepared to digest bad jobs news. ADP employment on Wednesday, granted, ADP doesn't always correlate with NFP, as we're painfully aware, but there were multiple other employment anecdotes. Uh, A lot of research desks stack up 14 or 15 different sources every month to sort of give a backdrop for the NFP. And this was one of the most negative months I've seen in a long time. So obviously the revisions changed things, but the fact remained that the market was prepared to brush aside bad jobs news. It wasn't as prepared to do anything with shockingly good jobs news. So that's the other potential explanation. But we're going to get to the other quadruped now, and that's the dark horse coming up around the outside, which is Europe. The day before the jobs report, we had two central bank announcements. One of them was from the Bank of England. The other one was from the European Central Bank. Bank of England raised rates, I wouldn't say unexpectedly, but it was not a given. The boat was split five to four. You don't really see that type of division when the Fed votes for policy changes. So just sort of uh, speaks to the fact that it was not a given and it surprised markets. Rates moved up. Then the European Central Bank didn't make an official change in the policy statement, but Christine Lagarde in the post-meeting press conference had some hawkish talk about inflation, saying that it was a big concern for the rest of the council. And then speculation picked up that the ECB could be moving to tighten policy in one of the upcoming meetings. Just to be clear, that would involve tapering its bond purchases before it would involve rate hikes. Either way, any move to tighten from the ECB was, I guess it was not expected that they would be so quick to tighten given they had not obliterated the markets with accommodation in the same way the Fed had. Whatever the case may be, European bonds on the week, take a guess as far as, let's say, German 10-year yields, Dave, if you had to guess which went higher on the week and by how much between... European 10-year yields and U.S. 10-year yields, what would you guess? I'm going to guess U.S. Right. I think everybody would. I would have, too, until I looked back at this week this morning. And I probably should have been looking more closely last week. But almost twice as much, almost 28 bits. And U.S. yields 14 and change, which is a big move. And you can see the correlation, as always. There's always some level of correlation. But what you see on Thursdays, you see European yields shoot higher significantly. That's where most of the weakness there occurred. And you see U.S. yields hold off right at the ceiling of that consolidation range as if they're waiting to see, okay, well, we might have some trading strategy to execute after tomorrow's jobs report. So we're just going to sit tight for now and then sort of make up our mind tomorrow. So where I'm getting with this dark horse thing is I think you had some pent up selling potential uh, that was going to be unleashed unless jobs were just so shockingly weak that they caused people to say, well, that's too weak even for this Omicron business. So anyway, Europe. We're going to keep an eye on it. 
yields are at the highest levels in three years. They haven't had as big of a move overall as U.S. yields, but that really is a factor of the Fed and the Fed's bazooka in March 2020. Definitely a shift in sentiment out of Europe. So we're at the highest levels in a long time. And this week is pretty calm in terms of scheduled economic data. We have CPI on Thursday. That's the only big economic report. And then we can also get a fair amount of information from this week's auction cycle with the three 10 and 30 year treasury auctions on Tuesday through Thursday, respectively. Those get most interesting for the bonds we're interested in on Wednesday and Thursday with 10 and 30 year auctions. Those will be at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. We'll cover them on MBS Live and see what we see in terms of uh, market reaction. That's all I got for this week. Good job. All right, Jack, we always get your take on all of this. Any questions you have for Matt? Well, David, I was actually this morning reading today's release of Fannie Mae's Home Purchase Sentiment Index. And the index dropped uh, 2.4 points to its lowest level since May of 2020. Who say it's a good time to buy a home, decreased 5% month over month. The net share of those who say it's a good time to sell, decreased 12% month over month. The Home Purchase Sentiment Index is really comprised of about 1,000 respondents surveyed by Fannie Mae. There was weakness in the younger potential home buyer segment. The big driver there, not coming as a surprise to anybody, really is the affordability of homes. And that could be a podcast in of itself, but just kind of linking what Matt just said, rising rates, and then the Home Purchase Sentiment Index. Some challenging news today. Yeah, there's so many areas where volatility can come from, unexpected news. And I think that's why you got to have a service like MBSLive.net. you got to have it. And mm-hmm. you get to sign up for an extended trial period without a credit card by using the sign-up code, put in LOL for Liquid on Lending. Matt, Jack, thank you so much. Matt, I, I just love your website. There's so much information on here. I love how people are responding, reacting. Sometimes it's hilarious. Sometimes you just want to cry when you look at some of it. But <laughs> you do a great job. It's real. It's live. And it's really informative. So encourage everyone to sign up. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice is here with an update on what's going on with the legislature, what's moving through. But again, Alice is CMB Vice President of Education and Training at one of our favorite companies out there, Union Home Mortgage, our good friend Bill Cosgrove. And he and Al are smart enough to bring in Alice. So Alice, good to have you here. Thanks for your taking time out of your very busy schedule to give us an update. What you got? Well, thanks, Dave, and hello, everybody. Well, today I've got a couple of things uh, along the lines of the Conference of State Bank Supervisors, which is our group of state regulators that manage the national mortgage licensing system. And you may have heard about that there was this collaboration between all the regulators in 42 states that found 441 MLOs nationwide had really fake that they had completed their continuing education. Now, it's a real small number compared to the over 180,000 licensed MLOs there are across the country, but the fact remains is they made this a big case. And if you think about it, for this group, they haven't published the names. They have to surrender their license for 90 days. And think about how you would react to that if everything in your pipeline you now can't get paid for. And Mm. then you can't take applications for 90 days because you're no longer licensed. So you essentially have to try and restart your business, which will then be a lag before they get processed and closed. And so I think the fine and the penalty that goes with this starts to feel like, okay, that would hurt somebody. That would have an impact. And I hope just the overall case has an impact to people. 
I just think it's crazy that they're only asking you to take an eight-hour class and somehow you've got to cheat that. So I don't know. It makes no sense to try and cut that corner, at least from my perspective. So I think as folks look at this, it's just a heads up as to the consequences that go with having a suspended license and as employers making sure that Ball is fully aware of how to make sure they're not paying people, not going to pay them later. The SAFE Act has this really buttoned up to make sure that People aren't trying to circumvent during their non-licensed period. So just a heads up to everybody out there. It's always a good thing to learn, not a bad thing to tend continuing education. So just a heads up in case you hadn't heard about that. One good news was it does seem like Pennsylvania State does look like they're going to be changing and allowing work from home. We hope this happens in all of those brick-and-mortar states that are out there as it really does look like that work-from-home model is going to be something we need to keep for a while. And it's good news to see some of the states getting on board with making that just a permanent fix and not focusing so much on brick and mortar. And then last but not least, Fannie and Freddie did loosen up their self-employed guidelines that they had put in place during COVID. We're really happy to see that they are going to stop asking for the bank statements. And this is great. That was one of the sticking points as a loan officer in particular. You're trying to meet with the borrower, telling them you need the bank statements, and then trying to judge by the deposit and uh, withdrawal flow on whether or not the underwriter is going to think that that matches up with the P&L and the tax returns. And so it was a real dicey part of the loan application process, and we're all glad to see that piece gone. Some of the other temporary restrictions are still in place, so be sure you go and check out the lender letter and the bulletin. Annie and Freddie are on the same page with this one, and it's effective immediately. Uh, That's my quick update for today, Dave. Back to you. Excellent job. Yeah. Why would you try to skip out with something as simple as an eight hour? But it's like traffic school. You get a ticket, you go, Arg, I got a ticket. I haven't had a ticket in a long time, so I qualify for traffic school, and you go do it. And it's beneficial. And there's so many things that you're just getting tuned up. I mean, are you a professional? Take these classes. That's just amazing. What was the number, yeah. Alan? Did you give us an actual number of people that? Yeah, there were 441 loan officers yeah. who are on the list. Well, maybe 441 out of 180,000, you may raise a good point. That's still, we got the vast majority of people complying. It's good. Comply. Manage these people. Manage them, folks. Very good, Alice. Thank you. Again, we tell you, you can go to the website, look at on lending, and you can go to the website and read all of Alice's or all of any one of each one of our regular contributors, what they've said, and just go through each one of them. They're listed out separately. Our podcast team, Nikki and Paul, do a great job of separating them out so you can Go back and binge on Alice. Good job. Appreciate it so much. Alan Pollock is here with the tech update. Alan, how are you doing, friend? Oh, I am doing great. Good to talk to you again and everyone listening. How's your weekend? Good. I'm playing nursemaid to my wife. We had dental surgery and a lot of it. So she's been down for the count. And so I'm having to do the grocery Uh, store. I got to tell you, Alan, there's got to be better technology. And that's one of the hottest spots in tech right now. And there's a lot of contention between companies that don't want to pay the fees that these companies are charging to get the customers and then the folks are trying to do it on their own. But there's a whole article about HelloFresh, not directly delivery from the grocery store, but how they're killing it in the market today with the competition. And then you also have Publix and Walmart and others are doing direct delivery. So it may not be in Texas, David, or where you're at, but it is a uh, hot spot right now. How about closing a loan in 25 days? So I put an offer on the house this weekend. I've been trying. There was eight bids total. And my realtor said, hey, we got to make this deal more attractive. And she said, can you close the loan in 25 days? Because that'll be more attractive to the seller. And I spoke with my mortgage guy and he's like, we can, but we're not in control of everything. And so 
Technology doesn't solve all of our problems. And I don't know how many people listening have had your borrowers come to you. I, by the way, I changed it to 45 days. I wasn't going to put anyone in an unrealistic time frame. But it's going to bring me to the next part of our segment where we're going to talk about a survey that just went out where 89% of borrowers say the mortgage process remains too challenging. But before we get there, David, I want to just tee off what I'm going to talk about next week because it's such an amazing topic. We're going to be talking about prototype creation, why it's important to make sure you build a prototype if you're building your tech or you're working with a vendor that's building tech for you, and how important it is for you as a lender to have your own UI designer. So we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely critical topics that people overlook. But let's get into something really interesting. Access Lending, David. They are in our industry. Paul Gigliotti started this, and there's a bunch of other people involved. Get this. I, I chatted with him briefly today. They're at their second class of 11 students. So they're a nonprofit, industry-based, mortgage-specific educational system. Their second class of 11 students is about to wrap up their education program and move into a paid internship, which is amazing. Two of the learners that have started, their initial folks, have already been placed with permanent partners, meaning they've gotten jobs after going through the, the, the educational system access. And in the efforts to further bridge the gap of education in our industry, mortgage industry, and continue to outreach, they have also initiated what they call their SEP, their Satellite Educational Program, which allows fintech and solution providers the ability to empower their team members through education. And that is continued education. But think about all the things that you don't just get from the MBA, right? The MBA has a fantastic continued educational program and some things that probably Access will never have. But Access is thinking of all the other areas in our industry that you can go to get additional learning and training. Think about the job opportunities you can get with your extra work from home time, David, that you could have the opportunity to learn more about, right? So mm-hmm. Access is doing some great things. Check them out. Partner with them. They're a great group of people. Next, David, I want to talk about this company called Pathway Homes. They're a new rent-to-own startup, and they just committed $750 million into housing. They basically have three products. It's called a home start that allows customers to move in with a security deposit due up front. The customer can rent with the option to buy the home when they're ready, all driven by technology. Savings match, which enables customers to build a down payment while they rent with a deposit of just 2.5% to the home's value. And then equity builder, which provides customers with the ability to buy half of a home with 5% down. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on them. It's not necessarily relevant to all of us on the call today. It's just more ingenuity, ways that we're using technology in our industry to make home ownership more affordable and available to more people. Rents rising, home prices are rising, and mortgage rates are rising. So we've got a trifecta of the perfect storm. They're doing yeah. something interesting about that. And it's potential as a lender, you may want to partner with a company like that because you may not be able to offer somebody a loan right now, but it's a partnership, a long-term relationship that counts. So think about that. Pathway Homes is the company you want to talk to. So, David, this was amazing. Finicity, which is now a MasterCard company, they did a survey. They surveyed the total is about 1,075 consumers. Most of them range from ages 18 to 45 years old. They basically said that 89% of these respondents, okay, responded to the survey and said that the loan application is more stressful or as stressful as the home buying experience itself. 
That's mm. saying a lot. If you think about yeah. the fact that we have all this front-end digital technology, well, get this. They said that they consulted 1,075 people. 72 respondents were surprised or very surprised at the volume of paper that still existed in the mortgage process. They also said 12% of respondents indicated that they were uncomfortable during their personal finance data to a lender, so sharing it. So technology could help remove those woes. Only 12%, but that's still a lot. They also said that more than half, 54% of respondents said it took between 30 to 60 days to move from application to the closing table, with 16% saying the process took more than 60 days. So we've got all this great technology, right? We've got the point of sale. We've got the CRM for the drip campaigns. We've got all the right communication and phone calls, and we're doing all the right things, right? People are still uncomfortable sharing financial data. People still come into the mortgage process thinking that it's going to be the worst experience of their lives, and they mm -hmm. still are feeling that it takes forever to close their loans. We've got more work to do here. That was a Please. fantastic survey. Remember, only 1,075 people, but if you think of the 72% or the 15% that said that they didn't want to share their financial data, it's actually 12%. That's a lot of people. So. <laughs> Look at 5,000 or 10 or 20,000 people. My guess is those numbers aren't going to fluctuate too much because we're not doing the best we can just yet. And it's because we're buying tons of technology solutions and they're not all well integrated and the data is not shared between them. And, and we're still evolving as adopting data practices. So anyways, I leave that with everyone to think about it as you talk to your vendors and you think of ways to continue to build your technology. 89% of borrowers say the mortgage process remains too challenging. But David, on a happy note, Yes. Let's get some stuff done this week, and thanks for listening, and we appreciate everyone. Don't forget to check out Access Lending. Yeah, that's good stuff. There's so many new innovative things going on. We're going to be releasing a podcast this week that I want everyone to be paying attention to. It is one where I caught up with Alan Weiss on this, and it was fascinating what Alan has developed in the way of automated value technology and where things are going and also recognizing trends. So be sure to go to our website and Stay up on all the websites. We're producing more than just one podcast a week. We're going towards producing more than that on a regular, consistent basis. So check out the podcast we've got coming up. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Congratulations on buying. Did you get your offer get accepted? Oh, no. No, no. Not even close, unfortunately. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. My brother yeah. just sold his home up in Bellevue, Washington, and they had what was it, a ridiculous number of offers and they sold it for $350,000 over the asking price. It's yeah. nuts. Some markets are just like that. They're waiving yeah. appraisals, waiving home inspections. They're buying as is. They're paying cash. It's really unique out there. Yeah. Crazy times. Crazy, crazy times. All right, friend. Have a great week. Thank you, listeners, for being here for the first part of our podcast. For those of you that are live, just stay right here. We're going to continue right on into the podcast and uh, into the Hot topic segment. For those of you listening on a downloaded basis, that ends the weekly mortgage updates. Next week, we're going to have Russ Anderson and Jack Nunnery on. Jack's always on, always, each week. But Russ is going to be talking to us about an important topic related to managing your money and that if independent mortgage bankers can learn from what banks do. Jack and Russ work together at Texas Capital Bank and both have retired and I'm really excited to have them on next week. And then we'll be having a release. That'll be a part one, part two podcast. Uh, the part two will be released later that week. Looking forward to having you all back here next week. A special thank you to our sponsors. Again, Penny Mac, Lender Toolkit, Success Kit, SnapDocs, The Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, MBA, Modex, Mobility MMI, Accelerate, Lenders One, and Finastra is now our newest sponsor, Total Experts. So great to have them here with us. 
thrilled to have all of these sponsors making this podcast possible. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.